SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, as always, every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m., and he continues to burn the candle at both sides. And, Kev, we had what I thought was an interesting Thursday night football game as the Cleveland Browns go ahead and get their first victory of the season, defeating the Cincinnati Bengals 35-30. to And I think this is a reason... For everybody to just pause on what they saw in week one, Kev, and and we say this all the time, style makes fight, right? Well, when the Cleveland Browns are down big to the Baltimore Ravens, there's so much that they can't do in week one anymore. So much of that Kevin Stefanski offense that he brought in from Minnesota can't happen, specifically Utilizing their run game, both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and then utilizing play action off of it. Baker Mayfield, I thought, was very effective on play action, but you got to give it up to the run game of the Cleveland Browns. I mean, Kareem Hunt did his thing. Nick Chubb did his thing. They combined for over 200 yards, and Kev, they averaged over six yards a play on the ground in that one last night. Uh, I think you look at these two backs right now, it's uh, very likely the best one-two punch that football's offering. There's a world where their backup running back is better than their starting running back, and their starting running back is one heck of a back. Both of these sure. guys went over their rushing yard prop, and if you played it as a rushing plus receiving night, uh, they right. both went over those numbers as well. Chubb with a monster 124 on the ground, and he cashes as a anytime touchdown scorer. And Could have been more. Twice. Kareem Hunt yep. also, again, over the rushing plus receiving number, in large part due to the rushing number, catches one, runs one in. He then doubles up for, you know, two touchdowns in the game, and it was very reminiscent of the Mark Ingram-Alvin Kamara backfield that I feel like hmm. many years we've asked, hey, can this group replicate that? Can these two do this? That's what these two put forward. And with the way that they were used, maybe these two backs will have the opportunity to be consistent contributors for those that are playing in the fantasy and, of course, playing in the props market. Oh, yeah. And remember, when we talked about the props market going into this game yesterday, right? I told you we we had the rushing receiving for Chubb and for Hunt. And I said, I'm going to ride this Kareem Hunt total like all the time, right? Especially, Kev, if what is becoming clear is if they can, okay, I believe this is the way Kevin Stefanski and this Cleveland Brown offense wants to win. I believe they want to establish the run. These two bats, as you mentioned, I agree with you, are the best one-two punch on the ground if you don't consider a quarterback as part of a one-two punch, right, Um, in the NFL. Okay, and if they can get this game rolling, then look at what happens, right? Odell is running behind people in the play-action game. You you all of a sudden have Austin Hooper show up, right? Baker is able to make plays outside of the pocket. These are all things that open up. You know how 
Kev, we talk about like elements of the offense. We made that point with Cam Newton and the Pats after week one, right? Well, unfortunately, if you go down big like they did to Baltimore, they those elements of the offense get taken away as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, including the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. And I really think that is such an important thing and something, Kev, we are going to see pop up in stadiums across the country in week two. Teams just being able to do things that they always wanted to do could be effective, but didn't have a chance to do in week one because of matchup or game script. Yeah, this team, um, I felt like it was less about establishing the run and more using it to try and put the game away. Uh, and that's where Kareem Hunt came into the fold a lot more in the way that they were able to get whatever they wanted on the ground. Uh, I'm sure left Brown's uh, backers begging as to why Baker put a ball in the air that was ultimately picked off and started uh, this Bengals opportunity to go out there and uh, get the cover in the way that they did. Uh, I think from you know this team as well, seeing Odell get on the board, is big Mm -hmm. you know after week one here we go again rumors trades is he going is he staying what are we doing and i thought him getting on the board early in this game was a nice sign baker over one and a half touchdown passes you know in a game where they had three rushing touchdowns still gets over so uh, i was impressed by that really from the browns perspective and uh, i know we talked a little bit at this pre-show they were in prevent defense you got to have a little bit of pride and you just allowed the Bengals to go down there uh multiple times and hang six on you uh, and not show enough resistance against a division rival. And it was a short week. And I thought that that defense should have put forward a better performance. Fair enough. Uh, They did allow the backdoor cover a lot of uh, soft yards in the fourth quarter. And Joe Burrow got 316 of them on the ground. I do want to talk about Cincinnati here because, you know, I do think they have their quarterback. All right, you know, Kevin, like he will be their franchise quarterback. There's a lot of things that look good about Joe Burrow. I just think they need to give him some more help, whether that be on the offensive line. He got sacked three times again uh, last night. Remember, he was under pressure a lot against the Chargers in week one. He was running a bunch, did get sacked, right? And this run defense, you know, is not going to get any better. They were the worst in the NFL last year, and they weren't necessarily addressed in the offseason or in the draft when they went out and got the luxury pick that was T. Higgins. So this could be a familiar game script and then a familiar kind of stat line for Joe Burrow, which helps in fantasy but doesn't necessarily help the actual Cincinnati Bengals. We've got plenty of games to discuss as week two rolls on, and we'll cover it all when we come back right here on the early line. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com welcome back in everybody the early line right here on sports grid dane and kevin at the precipice of a football friday on sports grid we are going to take the show and we're going to look at every game on the slate on sunday we're going to give you our info our leans our takes maybe players to watch some prop bets to keep an eye out for we'll see when we agree we'll see if we do not we're, we're hopeful that we do because if kevin and dane agree take it to the bank and get behind us let's start with a game kevin 
that has the highest total on the board. Um, at 54, I've seen is the highest total on the board. The Atlanta Falcons go into Jerry's world to take on the Cowboys. I mean, Atlanta was in a shootout with Seattle last week. Remember, Matt and Ryan put it up like 50-plus times through for 450 yards. And then we know Dallas coming off a 0-1, a loss in that new stadium in Los Angeles. Kev, it's 54. Like, that's a lot of points. I know these teams are capable. Do you think they get all the way there in this one? Um, I think it would be tough to make a play on this total right now, for me at least, because it was closer to 50 and a half, 51 at the open. And hmm. there's just been so much tacked onto it that I'm nowhere near a number that's showing any kind of value. But if you asked for a final score prediction from me, it would involve this game probably still going over the 54. Okay, fair enough. I do want to highlight in this one, you know, Kev, I do a waiver wire thing for our fantasy uh, fans out there. And one of my waiver fugazis this week, Kev, was Russell mm. Gage. Okay, and Russell Gage put up a huge outing last week. Nine catches, over 110 yards receiving. But I caution people, Kev, because, like, he was still the third leading receiver of the Falcons, right? Like, Julio put up 150. Calvin Ridley went off. And I just think that people, you know, they see the big numbers, but I do believe it is sort of an extreme end of the continuum for Matt Ryan to put it up that much from to have that many. Remember, Hayden Hurst is still there. Todd Gurley is still there. So I would have a little bit of cause for pause for Russell Gage. That might have been his best outing of the year. What do you think about the Dallas side of this offense? Now, there's all sorts of weapons, right? Remember how going into this, we were like, Dak has no excuses because he's got Amari Cooper. He's got Michael Gallup. He now has CD Lamb. How do you think this Dallas offense bounces back after their loss to the Rams? Yeah, I think this is my favorite bet of the entire Sunday slate. Uh, I believe the Dallas Cowboys are going to run the Atlanta Falcons absolutely out of the building. This is exactly what this team does. Big spot, need them to show up. And whether it be head-scratching decision, a no-show until garbage time, that pulls Dak's numbers up, whatever it might be, they'll let you down. And then they come back, home, defense they can beat up on, and that's exactly what this team will do. Lane four and a half, I'm all about it. Their team totals 29 and a half. Get to 30. I think they can get to 40. I look at this last year. In their home victories, and in fact, in just their victories, they all, they just their victories, actually. Let's not even go for a qualifier. 35 okay. points, 31 points, 31 yeah. points, 37, 37, 35, 44, 47. When they win, they score a lot. And they will score a lot on Atlanta. I don't think... I look at the Falcons' defensive performance from week one and fear mm -hmm. that I might be overreacting to what Russell Wilson and co. did on them. It's a defense that I think can be had, especially traveling to Dallas. I think the Cowboys are in line to route this team and put up close to 40 points. I'm with you. I'm with you uh, for the most part. Uh, when it, when you say the Atlanta defense is not something that was an aberration, you know what I mean? I think teams will score on the Atlanta Falcons throughout the season. The only question for me is, will you know, Matt Ryan coming back in a game script again, put it up 50 times and could the backdoor cover like we saw last night, Kev, you know, could that be live in what I agree with you will be a high scoring game, but I'm with you. I do think Dallas 
at home can kind of get right in this one. I want to ask you about another game here. AFC East division rivals where the Buffalo Bills go down to Miami. Kev, we have a home dog situation here okay and last week in the home dogs you might have been like ah washington forget it at ah, jacksonville forget it the dolphins are getting six points against the buffalo bills team that honestly kev i don't think they're a team that runs up the score like you're talking about with dallas so i think that six point working margin could be important and i'm gonna give you something of a trend that a lot of people aren't on and you may dismiss kev the dolphins at home in September, when the weather is still warm, okay, when these northern teams go down, down there to Florida, when it's still humid and hot, a lot of times they defecate the mattress. I'm looking at all the home dogs in the NFL this week, and I can't get behind the Jets with San Fran coming in. I can't get behind Houston seeing Baltimore. I can't get behind the Chargers seeing the Chiefs. If I was going to pick a home dog on the slate, I think it would be these Miami Dolphins this week, Kev. I think this is a game that begs the question as to whether we are seeing an overreaction or a correction being made Mm. here. So if we're assuming three points for home field, which I think we are still at this point, that means if this game was in Buffalo, the Bills would be laying 12. This is on the heels of the Bills laying six and a half to the Jets. So it asks the questions after one week, how off do they believe they were on the Jets? How off do they believe they were on the Dolphins? And how off do they believe that they were on the Bills? All three teams, they potentially changed perception on. All of that being said, I think the Bills can beat up on Miami. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is on the fast track to getting benched. I think he's going to have bad performance after bad performance. And he got off to a banner start against New England. But everything you said is why I will leave the side alone. I don't need to force sides if I think that that stuff is in play here. Bills on the money line and a six-point tease is interesting, but you still have to worry about the potential upset, so I probably won't even go that far. I think this game, though, staying under 41 will be interesting. Learn my lesson with the Dolphins in week one there. Mm. We thought that that game could go over. Devontae Parker, I don't believe we're expecting him to be involved in this game. Fitz is going to make constant mistakes. They still have enough defensive talent against the traveling Bills team, I think, to keep them in check to a degree. I think this game, albeit a very low total, and you know how I am with my totals. I'd rather play over the under and even on some of these low numbers. I think this game might very much so struggle to get into the 40s. Yeah, and I'll just make the point there, Kev. Um, I like where you're going with the under. And to be quite honest, Kev, that reinforces another reason. I say it all the time to you about why I would be more eager to take points in this game, especially a full six, right? Because, you know, you talk about come up with a correct score prediction, right? It's very hard to get a, a score prediction that stays under 40, with a working margin of more than a touchdown. You know what I mean, Kev? It just becomes Mm -hmm. mathematically harder to find, okay? And I would be intrigued by the home dog here. I like what you're talking about in terms of the correction also. I believe, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, how Cleveland looked against the Ravens week one and how they look different this week, right? I think we could get a little bit of push back to the middle on both of these teams. I think the Bills look good against one of the worst teams in the NFL, right? I think the Dolphins looked 
however they looked, however you want to call it. But that's a tough task to go up to New England when you don't know what Cam Newton's going to look like, which you don't know what Bill Belichick has in store. And now you are home for your home opener in a little bit of a different setting. We will be keeping our eye on Devontae Parker. He is definitely someone to watch on the Friday injury report and practice report. I th- believe he's been getting in some limited sessions and didn't have a full-on setback. So we will see how he uh, is listed on the team's injury report. It seems like we see the game similar on this one, though, Kev. We are both interested in that under. It sounds like for you it's a stay away. I may be more accepting and leaning and willing to just take the six points and actually ride with the home dog here. Yeah, I just – six is still, I think, a it is a tight margin – if you don't believe that Miami can win the game, unless you do believe Miami can win the game, which is reasonable to me, but I just think Fitz is terrible. Like one prop I will try and hope to see if we can get posted is over under one and a half interceptions because the yes, no (laughs) interception price will be at about minus 250, which is a lot to pay, but he's going to turn the ball over in this game. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I do think Tua, you know, might beat Halloween in terms of starting, right? But for your score where it's close, Call it 21-17, 17-14. That universe, I think, gets it done. We'll talk more when we get back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on to the early line. Dane and Kevin, we welcome back our radio audience from around the country as well. And, Kev, we also got a poll question up here on our Football Friday. We always want to hear from our audience. You know, you can always follow us at the Kevin Walsh at Spit and Speed. We want to know, and there's a prop bet for this, right? FanDuel is offering this bet, Kev. So we also wanted to draw people's attention to it. Who will be the highest scoring team in the NFL for week two? We did clarify, Kev. Only the Sunday games. We put out the Ravens, the Bucks, the Cowboys, and other. Ironically, the first response we got were the Saints. <clears throat> they are playing on Monday night. I personally, Kev, I voted for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this poll. And they are the next game that we are seeing. The Tampa Bay Bucks are laying eight and a half points, Kev, in their home opener against the Carolina Panthers. For me, it's simple. The Carolina Panthers have one of the youngest defenses in the NFL. The Las Vegas Raiders under Derek Carr were able to carve them up. Now you give the elite game manager that is Tom Brady an opportunity, and I believe they will carve up the Carolina defense as well. The only thing that gives me cause for pause on this side is the fact that the spread is over a touchdown at eight and a half. And I also saw Carolina with Teddy Bridgewater last Last week, stay involved and keep coming back after it as well. So the point spread, this may be one of the games where I believe the um, the team could win but not cover. I know you say a lot of times the point spread doesn't matter. I believe this mm-hmm. could be one where that does come into play, but I'm buying all the Bucks offense in this one. Yeah, the uh, Kevin Walsh database that goes back a calm two years. Uh, yes. I take a look. Uh, last two years, week two, there's been three games where we've seen a team lose and still cover. Uh, it's fair to say that we already had one of those slots taken up on Thursday night football, so there are still two more out there. If you want to take your chances with it, 
I'm not sure, though, I'm going to take the chance here in this spot. And I think it's a great teaser game. Take it down to two and a half, right, if you're playing with a six-point teaser. And yeah. I think I would I feel pretty good about three. that from the from the Bucks side of things. But I think there's a pretty good chance that they route this team. My only hesitation comes from the health of Chris Godwin and then that yep. potentially still lingering for Mike Evans as well. And those are the type of – because that's where I think, Dane, it's a little bit of a push and pull, right? Of you know wanting to buy all of the Bucks offense is difficult if all of the Bucks offense isn't there. But if we can see these guys end up being active, I think Tampa Bay might have the ability to pour it on. Their defense is better than they showed in that final score line, I would say, against the New Orleans Saints, especially with Brady being responsible for seven of the Saints' points that they put up right. in that game. And this is a Panthers team that defensively will be bleeding points. But I'm not sure if every week they are able to march to 30 the way that they did at home with nothing on tape for Bridgewater, Joe Brady, Matt Rule mm -hmm. against an Oakland Raiders defense. No, I understand, but, you know, I will apply to Exhibit A as what we saw last night, okay? You know, the soft defense could be there. The backdoor cover, I believe, is what makes this live. You're right. The Tampa Bay defense is better than what they saw when they were at home against the Raiders last week. But it is over a touchdown, and for me, it scares me. The backdoor cover just does scare me on this one. A name to note in this one, though, for the Tampa Bay offense is Scotty Miller. Okay, I, we made this point in the waiver wire, and, and last week, actually, Kev, he was one of my waiver wire fugazes, and I said that because I thought Mike Evans would be getting better and better with his hamstring and would be less and less of a decoy, but that is canceled out if Chris Godwin, who is in the cold, dark, quiet room in the concussion protocol, is not there. Then Scotty Miller becomes right back into the pecking order for the Bucks passing offense, so keep an eye out on Godwin and Evans as it relates to Scotty Miller. The next game up here, Kev, the Denver Broncos go to Pittsburgh and see the Steelers. I am so intrigued by this matchup, but there are a lot of injuries out there in this one, Kev, that we really have to discuss, right? On the Denver side, we talked about A.J. Bouye. We've talked about uh, Philip Lindsay. We've talked about will Cortland Sutton come back, right? Those are key weapons for that Drew Locke-led offense. But on the Pittsburgh side, there are injuries as well. We don't know exactly how the running back uh, kind of allocation room pie is going to shake out. We know the Steelers are usually a bell cow offense. We've heard Tomlin say he's going to, quote unquote, leave the light on for James Conner. But people are very impressed by Benny Snell running hard, the second year kid out of Kentucky. But then again, Kev, with two members of the offensive line for Pittsburgh on the right side and Banner and Wisniewski potentially down for a while, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers' run offense doesn't look like it did last week. Are there any overreactions you think will correct itself this week in this game? I mean, yeah, I've had this conversation with a couple people. I do feel like a lot of people left that Steelers-Giants game feeling like, yep, definitely, that's that Steelers team that's going to compete with the Ravens and the Chiefs. And I just did not see mm. that performance. Uh, this is going to be, I think, a 
or difficult task on their hands going up against the Denver Broncos. Admittedly, it's hard to figure out how much this A.J. Boye absence could potentially impact what Denver is able to do um, on the defensive side of the ball. Look, this is a team that's been losing pieces now, uh, it feels right. like, by the second. You'd like to see Cortland Sutton out there unless you planned on getting in the Jerry Judy prop market. It makes it a little bit easier, a little bit more certain. I would say anything below 45 and a half, you probably would want to play over that number because against the Steelers' defense, I still don't think the number would be uh, astronomical in that regard. This is a spot where I've contemplated taking points. Now, I would like that hook to come back because it was seven and a half. I would Mm. like for that hook to come back for the Denver side of things. But I rather back the Steelers when they're dogs and they're kind of being counted out, not when they're favorites. And you say there's no way they lose the game. And then Big Ben throws two interceptions. And you're sitting there like, I can't believe I put this team in every teaser. I understand that, Kev. And I hear you. You know, they can mess with you, shall we say. Big Ben, remember that whole idea of the home road splits for Big Ben? I don't know if that's applicable anymore or with fans. We'll see. Here's the piece of this that from what I saw last week that I do believe is applicable. Let me bounce it off you and see if it resonates with you, Kevin. Um, The Steelers' front seven is legit. The Steelers are flying around the ball on defense, okay? And I think that is something that I can count on, okay? Now, we know Philip Lindsay is banged up. I believe going to be a lot of Melvin Gordon. And just like how on Monday night the Steelers were like, let's stop 26, let's stop Saquon, and see if Danny Dimes can beat us with guys like Slayton and Shepard and Ingram. And Danny Dimes made some good throws, made some mistakes, and was under pressure all night long. I believe this Pittsburgh Steelers defense will be able to do similar things to the Denver offense, Kev. I do think if they initially focus to shut down Melvin Gordon, they will be able to. And then I have similar concerns about how does Denver move the ball and score if it is on the arm of Drew Locke, if they don't have Phillip Lindsay, if they don't have Cortland Sutton. I don't know that I'm in that, if, if Drew Locke is in that circle of trust with me against this kind of defense. I believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I think they can do it again and shut down Denver. Yeah, listen, when you have the Steelers play the way they did all last year, and then in their debut, you know, create havoc the way that they did, you would feel pretty good about it. Uh, I would say, though, the, again, like, Danny Danny Jones was right there with an opportunity to take the lead until he made an an outrageous decision to turn back into Bud Dupree and then ultimately get picked off. Is Drew Locke better than Daniel Jones? I'll leave that to the people to figure out. Because I'm not sure I know the answer to that question yeah. right now. But I'm not but here's sure the thing, Kev, he's not no. tremendously better, right? He can fall sure. into the same pitfalls. I don't, but I don't think he has to be tremendously better. I, like, I also don't. Here's the thing. This is so. Last year, the Ravens beat the Dolphins 59 to 10, right? And everyone's sure. like, "That's outrageous!" This, that, and the third. Like, and the thing was that they were never going to lose a game that bad the rest of the year. So we take a look now at what the Steelers did week one. And they held Saquon Barkley to 15 carries and six yards, right? And now we sit here and we go, is Melvin Gordon going to be able to get 10? Yes, Melvin Gordon's going to be able to get 10 yards. They're not going to have 
that effective of a rush defense performance for the rest of the season. It's just mathematically impossible. So those are the kind of things that start to correct themselves Absolutely. a little bit over time. So that's kind of my, my point here. I don't think he maybe has to be as... Again, he just he can't make outrageous decisions sometimes like Daniel Jones does. And, and look, the, it's not a ringing endorsement, right? We're talking about a spot similar to what you were talking about with Carolina or Miami where I'm thinking mm -hmm. about taking points on a team that I don't really trust to win the game. So it's always going to be you know a slippery slope when you're playing in that kind of market. But I just didn't come away overly impressed with the Steelers in the same way that I feel like a lot of people did. And I might be able, if this gets back up to seven in the hook, get a little bit of value. All right, fair enough. And let me let me let me clarify here. I did not call for Melvin Gordon to run for 10 yards or less. Okay, but what I, I do believe they can stifle the run game, okay, to the point where um I do believe there'll be a game script, a game flow where at some point Drew Locke is going to have to make plays. I do think you can uh, you know, shut down the run game, handle the run game, and still not have minus six yards like Saquon Barkley did, right? But it can still be a struggle for the run game. And I do believe that will be the case. I do believe the Steelers front seven is able to uh, be very effective shutting down the run. Now, that was an extreme in week one, but I do think it can lead to the same kind of issues happening. And there's no reason that, you know, Drew Locke is imminently better or a better decision maker necessarily than Danny Dimes. I do think we could see something similar with the second year quarterback in Denver. We've got plenty more games to discuss and we will do that. I don't think we found the gentleman's bet just yet. Will we next segment? Come on back and find out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Right here on to the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh burning the candle at both ends. Kev, we got a ton of games to get into in week two, and we're trying to protect against the overreaction, right? Because the Cleveland Browns weren't horrible, and their offense looked a little bit different against a different opponent last night. So we're hunting for the places where we may see some regression or we may see something we can hang our hat on. And I want to ask you about the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers and that offensive output they put up in Minnesota in week one. You think they do it again, Kev? Because the total in this game is 49 and a half, and they are laying six points in the home opener in Lambeau Field. I'll make one other point, Kev. You know how you talked about in the last game you were sad to see the hook disappear? Mm -hmm. I want to make the point on the juice in games here. Usually you will be able to tell, Kev, when the point's about to vanish or pop up because of the juice, right? Normally it's at 110, then they move it to 115, then maybe 120, sometimes even higher than that before they actually change a point or half a point. And what I see right now, the Green Bay Packers are six-point favorites, but the juice is minus 120. So if you want to get Green Bay, I advise you to do it now. The question for you, Kev, is do you want to get Green Bay? So, we know from week one 
There might be no one in the NFL that I trust less than Matt Patricia. But Matt Patricia, during his time as Detroit Lions head coach, is a calm 4-0 ATS against the Green Bay Packers. More importantly, last year, Matt Patricia pulled pulled off the perfect clean sweep of an 0-2 straight-up performance and a 2-0 ATS performance (laughs) against these Green Bay Packers. So it might matter. (laughs) It very well might. And if this is just... Dane, this is just the spot you see it coming a mile away if you're looking mm-hmm. for it. Who's mm-hmm. going to let me down? And it's the Packers laying six. I mean, you can hear it okay. now. Oh, I'm laying six. Come on. The team's going to score 45 on them. The Lions, they let Trubisky give up 21 straight. I mean, come on. Right. That team's going to get killed. They're going to get murdered. And then all of a sudden you're sat there and you're like, do I really need this Rodgers drive to save my teaser? Right. And you do. And that's probably what's going to happen. However, I will not be taking the six points because it's enough to get me off of laying six. I still don't trust Matt Patricia enough. And I advise everybody out there, if you're going to play the side here, value is on the Lions. It's undeniably on the the Lions. You mentioned it, six and a hook could be there soon because it's right now minus six with minus 120 to the minus six. It's enough, all of that information, though, to get me off playing the Packers in a spot that does feel a bit obvious. I like this game to get over. Maybe what the Packers did offensively was a fluke. Um, I heard Aaron Rodgers talk on the Pat McAfee show, though, saying this is the first time his arm doesn't feel dead coming right. into the season in quite right. some time. I think they looked awesome in week number one against a tougher, a much tougher defense in the Minnesota Vikings. And yeah. I still think Stafford can put up points in his own right. I like this game to go over 49 and a half. I think this game gets into the mid to high 50s. You know, it's interesting. What If we would be having a different conversation if DeAndre Swift can hold on to a pass in the end zone late in that game in week one, right? Maybe because people like Detroit coming in, maybe their fortunes, and this would be a big-time NFC North matchup early in the season. The narrative continues to shift. On that Detroit side, though, okay, remember uh, Galladay still banged up, right? It was a lot of Marvin Jones and some TJ Hawkinson. Think about that. The second-year tight end out of Iowa continuing to kind of progress Progress and be a big part of this game. You know, when you were giving your analysis of this one, it sounded to me, I'm not saying the analogy holds for you. It sounded to me a lot like what we were talking about in Buffalo and Miami, if you want to know the truth. And uh, similarly, with a similar kind of spread, you were like, you know what? I'm a pass on this one because I could see it happening. And I'm with you, Kev. I could see it happening There's also a universe where Aaron Rodgers is in full-on FU mode, being like, Jordan Love, you sit right there. I'm going to show you how (laughs) it's done, and that is possible as well. Let's keep it moving on uh, games that we're taking about in Week 2. Kev, this is another situation. uh, You you talk about your database. This is another situation, Kev, where I think Hmm. a team could win but not cover the Jacksonville Jaguars go into Tennessee to see the Titans who are one and oh but they are getting more than a touchdown Kev this game started on the look ahead line at 11 
It's all the way down to seven and a half, okay? On the morning after, Jared made a good point saying they probably want to move it down even more. But they can't cross seven because this opens up such a middle opportunity for people who may have gotten it early. I think that is a very good point. My question for you is on its face is what we saw are the Titans more than a touchdown better than these Jaguars. And I will also add my point about a lot of times lower scoring games don't get that big old working margin. And it's not like 44 is a huge total. How do you see this one playing out? The Titans are laying less points at home to Jacksonville than the Colts were on the road to Jacksonville. This is an overreaction to to week one. It's an overreaction to week one. The Jaguars got a win against Phillip Rivers, who loves doing nothing more than letting people down. The Titans, to me, in a win without a cover, left so many points on the board in a tougher Mm. matchup, traveling to a place that's very difficult to win early in the year in Denver. I think Goskowski, you know, the confidence boost that he will get from hitting that game-winning field goal will be much better moving forward. Seven and a hook. I get it. We might get backdoor covered. All that good noise. I like the Titans laying seven and a half. I think that there was a better argument to be made that this should have been closer to 10 in the way Mm -hmm. that it opened. Now, I don't think Jacksonville is going to be the worst team that we've ever seen in football's history, right? You know, 0-16, is this team going to have the number one record? I'm not sure about all that. And we kind of said as much, Dan, as we were doing, you know, our previews, that Gardner Minshew feels like a better quarterback. But defensively, I think that they might be in for a long day. And the one thing that I will tell you this more than anything, I like the Titans, especially in the teaser market. I am going to have to be physically removed from my computer to stop me from Hmm. betting countless amounts of dollars on every single pro Derrick Henry prop that the FanDuel Sportsbook lists. He is going to have a monster day. He's going to get near 150 rushing yards. He's going to score two touchdowns in this game. He is going to run roughshod on the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game. And if we're going to go into the fantasy world, that means he's going to be in every single DFS lineup that I put in. I think there's a very good possibility, quarterbacks aside, Derrick Henry is your highest scoring player in week number two. All right, fair enough. And I have two pieces of injury news, one that... You may like if you're playing it that way, and one that you may not, Kev. Uh, Titans wide receiver A.J. Brown left practice yesterday. We don't know about his availability. That's something we will definitely have to keep our eye on on that. The other one, though, is um, rookie running back, Kev, Darrington Evans. Remember him? We were talking about him as the kind of scat back, right, of this option um, for Tennessee. He was out week one. He's practicing back now in full. I'm not saying, Kev, that Darrington Evans is a threat to Derrick Henry in any way, shape, or form. That's not what I am saying. However, you know, when you talk about the volume, when you talk about that snap count, I do think think Evans may be on the field for some third downs. You know what I mean? And so talk to me about both of those guys, Darrington Evans, and probably more importantly, A.J. Brown with a knee injury in practice. Like, Corey Davis had a Nice game, Monday night, week one. What Talk about the fortunes of these wideouts. 
Yeah, I don't think A.J. Brown's going to play, so it is going to be interesting to see what these Corey okay. Davis props look like. So is that even more well for Derrick Henry maybe for you? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Again, Derrick Henry's going to go off. I could care less about Darrington Evans. Sure, I'm sure he's a decent player, and he can come in and get a, some pass work if he'd like. Ultimately, this is the, the game. They might as well call it Derrick Henry versus the Giants. Oh, I agree, I agree. Um, I'm just saying he's active, than he wasn't last week. That's all. I will, I will offer this, though, to you. The way that you have described the Titans countless times, pick your poison, if you yes. will. Well, if A.J. Yes. Brown isn't there, well, mm. I don't know. I know which poison I'm picking. <laughs> right. So <laughs> yeah. it, it does beg the question how much the Jaguars will do everything they can to sell out to stop Derrick Henry. I still don't think it'll really work. But that will be right. very interesting to see. Uh, if that they basically say, load the box, I dare you to throw yep. the ball to Corey Davis ten times. I, and, and to be quite honest, Kev, like, if you were the Jaguars' defensive coordinator, would you not stack all 53 men on the roster in the box <laughs> against Tennessee in this one and be like, okay, if Ryan Tannehill to Corey Davis and Jonu Smith can beat me, I tip my cap. He, but I'm not going to let Derrick Henry, like, I'll, I'll put I'll put all 53 in the box, Kev. The, the problem is it's it's 2020, and if you do that, and that's why Derrick Henry was able to do what he did last year with Ryan Tannehill under center, is because think about think about the fact that that team scored 13 points with one of it being a pick six. I'm talking about the Tennessee Titans in Foxborough. Derrick Henry's mm-hmm. running off a buck 80, but they can't actually score because it's hard mm-hmm. to still do that sometimes with it all being the run game. And that's why, as much as I'm saying everything about Derrick Henry, I'll probably set myself up, though, on some Corey Davis props as well. Okay. Because if they really do that, honestly, that makes the seven and a half even better. Because then Ryan Tannehill will rip them to shreds. All right, but they have to get the job done and actually complete it and get scores and get seven instead of Goskowski field goal attempts because if they do that, you know, it may be hard for them to cover. It is over a touchdown. One other game I do want to talk about, and we could talk about it a little bit more maybe on the other side of the break because I know you may have a lot to say on this one. Kev, but your Philadelphia Eagles have their home opener. The Los Angeles Rams travel across the country, west to east, for a 1 o'clock start. Kev, I mean, I'm telling you, though, I believe that offensive line play can completely eviscerate a team's chances. We have seen that with teams like the Minnesota Vikings in years past. We've seen it with teams like the Houston Texans in years past, who a lot of people would say, hey, this is a playoff caliber team. But then because of the offensive line play, it all goes to shreds. Talk to me about your faith with this offensive line. Is Lane Johnson going to be there? Is Miles Sanders going to be there? And like... You know, talk to me about your care for Carson Wentz. Is he going to be okay? Or is Aaron Donald going to be in his back pocket all game long? I mean, Aaron Donald obviously is always a force to be reckoned with. Jason Kelsey, at least, <laughs> is healthy. He's one of the best centers in football, which will give okay. him at least a puncher's chance at slowing him down, if that's even possible. Ultimately, it comes down to Lane Johnson. Miles Sanders is going to play, and Lane Johnson is on track to do so. And if both of okay. those things remain true, then you, you take the Eagles at minus 112 on the money line, and you appreciate the value that you're getting here. Ultimately, this is still a team that was up 17-0 on the road in the division game. Yes, they blew it. They crumbled. They fell apart. Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz over the years have earned my trust, and I believe that they should have earned most people's. Doug Peterson's a very good head coach, and Carson Wentz is a real good quarterback. What happened to him in the back end of that game is inexplicable, outside of the fact that he had no Lane Johnson, and without Lane Johnson, he just seemingly turns into a different quarterback. 
The Rams being able to beat the Cowboys on Sunday night football, I think is something that we should be grateful for because for me, it wasn't surprising. So I don't right. now enter this game thinking to myself, oh, I can't believe how much better at the Rams were than I imagined. I got to run here to bet that. No, they did exactly what I thought that they would do. They would take care of a Dallas team that usually doesn't rise to the occasion. And it's what they did. They only scored 20 points. So I think this is a spot where you're getting value on the Eagles, but it all depends on whether Lane Johnson is out there. All right, fair enough. So more practice reports that we have to keep an eye on on Friday, today. And remember, we talked about it. Are these things trending in the right direction? It certainly seems to be for Miles Sanders. When we come back, I'm going to ask you one more question about this game, Kev. We'll check in our poll as well. But uh, are you going to go back to the Dame Martinez special prop bet that will likely be offered in this game? I want to get your thoughts on that when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on to SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin here on the early line every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern time. Kev, I know your, your Eagles have the Rams. And remember, you were you, when we broke down the Rams on Monday last week, you were like, ah, oh, and then the Dane Martinez special prop bet. I'm referring to Malcolm Brown because do you yeah. think the universe, the public, is still on this hot rookie Cam Akers and still not realizing that Malcolm Brown gets the first carry. Malcolm Brown is trusted. And Malcolm Brown, I believe, probably a safe bet to go over again this week. You know what's interesting, though? I don't think that one's on the public. It's on the book. And that hmm. one was was the, the book being okay. lower on Malcolm Brown. And I'm not sure how much they can adjust in a spot. Eagles still known for a good defensive front. You mentioned Peyton sure. Barber had this monster game while averaging like a yard per carry. So <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be very, very interesting to see what they actually post with those guys. They look And they both ended up, um, Malcolm Brown went over and Cam Akers went over a live player prop. I think he just missed out on his pregame oh, okay. total. I do want to ask you, though, because you try to get away with it. If Lane Johnson yeah. plays, what do you yeah. like in this game? I don't know that I'm betting this game as a side, Kev. I, I, that I don't know. Um, I don't think the Rams are a good matchup for the Eagles. Not only the offensive line piece that we talk about up front, but that Eagles pass defense. I wonder, because there are so multiple out there, right? Like Woods or and Cup. I wonder about the Eagles pass defense. I am not betting a side on this game. But if you put a gun to my head, I would take the Rams. Okay. I just wanted to know. Yeah, yeah, because, again, no, you, I, because, and I, I always appreciate it, but when it comes to the teams that I have an emotional investment in, I've always found you have, a, you have a, an, nice. an impressive you, – you do while also giving me a, enough of a devil's advocate to where I have an idea of what you actually believe. So I wanted to try and pull it out of you because I had a feeling. Yeah. It makes for good. It makes for good content, Kev. You know I love you, but yeah, those. And you know how I like. I I, I am driven by kind of matchups and what where someone could dominate. And I'm worried about the Rams' defensive line, specifically Aaron Donald against this offensive line. And Kev, you know about your Eagles' pass defense. I wonder how that matches up with the Rams' uh, passing offense. We will see. Darius Slay may take you know someone like uh, Woods away, but then this cup 
pop off. He underperformed in week one. I would be interested in going back to some Cooper Cup numbers as well. But we've got plenty more games to discuss, Kev. We will do it in hour number two. I know you want to talk about basketball as well. We'll get to it all here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.